Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Uh, we're beginning a series this morning called The Parable of the Fireplace. I preached this series back in 2001. And uh, some people asked me then, they said, why, why would you preach a whole series on marriage? Because, yeah, while we do have some folks who are married or about to be married, a lot of our folks are either widowed or they're single or they're not intending to be married. And, and uh, you know, what are we supposed to do for seven, eight weeks? And that's a good question, a very good question. But it's a needed series, I believe, because uh, family in America is in trouble. A family in America is in trouble. And that's a real concern to me because I know that a church is only as strong as the strongest family in that church. And I also know that that family is only as strong as the marriage that holds it together is strong. And so it's very important to me, and I believe it's important to God, that our families be strong. And this series is designed to hopefully help our homes get stronger, especially when it comes to our love relationship. So turn with me to Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, chapter 2. And if you and I can get through this mushiest of all chapters, then uh, we'll we'll proceed forward. Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 1. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily, he says, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. She says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. You see, it's already getting mushy. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Let him lead me to the banquet hall and let his banner over me be love. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples. I am faint with love. Me too. He left, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Listen, my beloved. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke to me and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come, the cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. And then he says, My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. And then she says, My beloved is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks. And the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. 
Now, what I want you to do is to take that chapter and take it home. Those of you who are married, I want you to sit down with your husband, your husband or with your wife. I want you to sit down and just read this to, you, to them. It's going to be such a blessing to them. Running on the mountains like a gazelle, does of the field. Once upon a time, there was in the heart of a young woman a fireplace. And in that fireplace, a fire ignited by a young man. The flame in the young woman's heart consumed the young man's thoughts. And so, without even thinking about it, he excitedly fed the flames by throwing logs into the fireplace. The young man selected just the right logs that best set ablaze the young woman's flames. And so... The fire in the young woman's heart grew stronger and harder and hotter with each log the young man placed on the flames. If anyone had asked him, are you throwing logs on the fire? He would have been puzzled for he was not aware that he was feeding the flames in the young woman's fireplace. At the same time, there was in the heart of the young man another fireplace and in that fireplace a similar fire, this one kindled by the young woman. All of the young woman's thoughts revolved around the flame she had started in the young man's heart. And so, without even thinking about it, she excitedly fed the flames by throwing logs onto the fire. The young man delighted in the young woman's fueling because she chose only those logs that meant the most to the young man. But if anyone had said to her, You do such a fine job putting logs into that fireplace. She would have been confused, for she was unaware that she was feeding the flames in the young man's fireplace. So the fire in the young man's fireplace grew stronger and hotter with each log the young woman placed on the flames. In time, the young couple merged their flames into one fireplace, and together they continued to fan the flames in each other's hearts. And because each of them chose precisely the logs that best fuel the flames in the other person, the fires in the fireplace roared bright and hot. As time went on, however, the enthusiasm with which these two people fuel the fire waned, and so did the fire. Putting logs on each other's fire ceased being something the couple did without thinking about it. Rather, it became something that had to be done intentionally if it was to be done at all. Therefore, the fires slowly faded. At times, days would pass in which two of them, the two of them even forgot about their fireplace. Sometimes, the young man, when he did think about the fireplace, would place only the logs that he most liked onto the flames without consideration for the kind of logs that the young woman liked. Likewise, the young woman periodically placed into the fireplace only the logs that she most desired without any thought for the type of logs that he liked. In both cases, the logs were too moist to burn. At times the young couple argued and fought. During these times they totally stopped throwing logs onto the flames. Instead, they often doused the flames with water, making it even harder for the flames to survive. One day, the two spouses accidentally met in front of the fireplace, almost bumping into each other. They stood in silence, 
looking into the fireplace at the pile of ashes that hit dying embers. And then they looked at each other and they wondered, what is to be done to our fireplace? I want to share with you three things about love relationships as we begin this uh, seven-week series called The Parable of the Fireplace. And, and the first thing I want you to note is the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I heard about a man named Bill and his wife Martha. They went to the state fair every year. And every year they went to the state fair, Bill would say to his wife Martha, he'd say, Martha, I'd like to ride in that open seat airplane that they have here at the fair. And every time Bill would say that, Martha would reply, I know, Bill, but that airplane ride costs $25, and $25 is $25. One year, Bill and Martha went to the fair, and Bill said, Martha, I'm 81 years old, and if I don't ride that airplane now, I'll probably never get the chance to ride that airplane. And Martha replied, well, Bill... That airplane ride costs $25, and $25 is $25. And the pilot overheard their discussion, and he said, Folks, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I will take you both up for a ride, and if you remain quiet, don't say a word for the entire ride, I won't charge you a dime. But the moment either one of you says the first word while we're on this airplane flight, it'll cost you $25. Well, Bill and Martha agreed, and they got into the airplane, and the airplane took off, and the pilot did all kinds of twists and turns and rolls and dives, but not a word was heard. And then the pilot repeated the twists and the turns and the rolls and the dives. He did everything possible, every trick possible, to get some word out of Bill and Martha, and yet not a word came out of either one of them. And finally, he landed the plane, and he turned to Bill, and he said, by golly, I did everything I could to get you to yell out, but you didn't. And Bill said, well, I was going to say something when Martha fell out, but $25 is $25. Here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mainly the bad and the ugly. In America today... For every marriage that begins this year, five out of ten of them will end in divorce within seven years. Five out of ten. Now, the good news about that is that five out of ten will make it at the end of seven years and hopefully beyond. But five out of ten will uh, dissolve within seven years. Now, of the five that remain intact... Four, statistics tell us that four out of those five are unhappy and loveless, but they stay together. Even though there, there is no love or little love and there's no happiness in that marriage. It's almost like two people separated but still living under the same roof. Now, the bad news about that, of course, is that only one out of ten marriages in America is intact, full of happiness, and full of love. Now that sounds really gloomy, doesn't it? I'm not going to leave, uh, leave this sermon closed with that, but, but that's, a, that's a pretty gloomy statistic. And someone could say to me, they say, well, gosh, as, as, uh, 
as, as high the percentage chances are for failure in a marriage, we'd just be better off just, just living together. Well, the problem with that is the relationship success rate of just living together is lower, the success rate is lower than it is for marriage. So if one out of ten marriages is content and loving and fulfilling and the the rate for marriage is better than just living together, you can get an idea of what we're talking about. Now the good news is it is possible, very possible, to be for your relationship to be that one out of ten. It is possible. Which leads me to the second thing that I want to mention and, and it explains what the the, the fireplace actually means. The fireplace represents the relationship between two people who are in love with each other. Now, it goes really something like this. When, when any relationship between two people begins, two fires are kindled. Two fires are kindled. And the goal of these fires is to make them grow. And I call these fires love fires. Uh, I remember the first time I saw Amanda, I was at New Harmony Baptist Church where my dad was pastor. And uh, being the good preacher's kid, I was sitting on the back pew uh, that Sunday morning when I saw uh, Amanda and her brother and her mom and dad come walking in. And I thought, wow, she is beautiful. And at the end of that service, I stayed in the back pew until they left. And as they left, I don't know if she remembers this, she probably doesn't remember it, she looked over at me and smiled. And I melted. And I thought, well, that smile means that she must have melted too. I don't think that's really the case, but I certainly did melt. And so uh, I was real shy back in those days. I, I, I just, uh, it, it was all I could do to call up a girl and ask her out uh, for fear of rejection, I guess. So anyway, a few weeks after I saw her that Sunday, I, I, I went to my mom and dad's phone. It was a rotary phone because I'm an antique person. And I'm going to eight seven seven zero. Eight eight seven seven two three, and then I'd hang up the phone because I was really nervous. And finally, after about eight or nine tries, I, I, I drummed up enough courage to go ahead and seven seven zero eight eight seven seven two three six, and my my heart started racing. My blood pressure got up, and the phone rang a couple of times. Then Amanda answered the phone. And I said, hey. And she said, well, hey. I said, how are you doing? She says, I'm great. How are you? I said, I'm great. I said, do you know who this is? She said, yeah, it's Jeff Spencer. I said, no. This is Jimmy Orr, the preacher's son. Oh, hey. And then we started talking, and I asked her out, and we dated for four years. But I want you to know something. Somewhere along in that time, she lit a fire in my heart. And I think I lit a fire in her heart. And, and here, here's the way this thing works. This is the number three thing. In order for the flame to grow and remain strong, logs have to be thrown into the fire. Now, what happens early in a relationship is this. Feeding the flames, that is putting logs in the fire, comes naturally. I mean, you don't even think about it. During the four years that Amanda and I dated, and even uh, after we married and into the honeymoon period of our marriage, I'm telling you, uh, uh, she and I, we did the things for each other that were just automatically what, or naturally what, each other needed and wanted in a, in a relationship. It was incredible. 
We didn't think about it. I was throwing logs in that fire in her heart, and I didn't even know that I was throwing logs in the fire in her heart, and she was throwing logs in the fire in my heart. It was natural. It was, we didn't even have to think about doing it early in the relationship. But later on, things change for any relationship. And you have to start consciously putting logs into the fire. Because, because the era, the period in your relationship where you just throw logs in the fire without thinking about it, it will at some point end. And it'll end without announcing it to you that it has ended. You won't even know it until things probably get sort of struggling, and then you have to start thinking about putting the logs on the fire. And we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, putting those logs on the fire. I want to read a poem to you. It's a short poem. Don't go to sleep on me. It's a short poem, and I want you to tell me whether this poem was written by somebody early in a relationship or late in the relationship. Are you ready? Hello? I climbed up the door. I shut the stairs. I set my shoes, I took off my prayers, I shut off my bed, I climbed into the light, and all because she kissed me goodnight. That was late in the relationship, wasn't it? Hello? Where was it? It was early in the relationship. When you're putting those logs on the fire without even thinking about it. But again, and this is the reason that so many uh, uh, marriages are in trouble today. It's because somewhere along the way, you stopped putting the logs on the fire naturally and subconsciously, and you came to a period of time when you needed to put them on intentionally, but you stopped doing it. And when we stop putting logs on the fire, it's where the trouble starts. Here is the message in a sentence. Get this. Here it is. I want you to get this. The goal for these love fires is to grow. Why? Because... No relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. Say that again. No relationship has ever ended when the love fires are consistently tended. And so I want to ask you three questions. On the scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable and 10 being fantastic, where is your relationship with your spouse on a scale of 1 to 10? Number two, when was the last time you intentionally, you intentionally put a log on the fire of your marriage relationship? And then number three, as a result of... Hearing this series, hearing this message, I resolve to, and you fill in the blank, with regard to improving your relationship with your spouse. Folks, our church and any church can only be as strong as the strongest family in the church. And the strongest family in the church can only be as strong as the marriage that holds that family together. Satan will tell you otherwise. Do not believe him. He is a liar. The question is, do we want a strong church? Absolutely. Do we want strong families? Absolutely. Do you want a strong marriage? And you say, well, preacher, I'm, you're probably a, a, a dollar short and a day late or a day late and a dollar short. It's too late for my marriage. Let me tell you something, and I know this for a fact. 
There is no such thing as a marriage too far gone to come back. There is no such thing. You say, well, I don't feel the same way. Doesn't matter. Listen, first of all, no marriage should be based on feelings anyway. Feelings, may, feelings and, and, and physical attraction may be what started, what started some of the fires, but feelings come and go. Feelings sometimes are high, sometimes low. You can never base a relationship on feelings because feelings will change. If you have a relationship that's only based on feeling, go ahead and kiss it goodbye. But instead of making your relationship based on feelings, base your relationship on a firm commitment to that other person. And when you, when you make a firm commitment to that other per- person, then no matter what your feelings are, your commitment is firm. And here's something I will personally guarantee you. That if you tend the flame... And if your spouse tends the flame, if you are working at putting logs in the fire, I guarantee you that the love will come back. You see, there's good news. Relationships can mend. Relationships can thrive. The problem in in much of America is that we give up on our relationships before we need to. And don't do that. We're about to have an invitation here. An invitation is a time for a lot of things to happen. In fact, my experience has been that uh, God does more in people's lives just during the invitation than in any other part of any worship service. And so we're about to go into the invitation. It's an opportunity for some of you here to come and receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. And there are people here today who need to do that. There are others who are saved, but they need to come and make this church family their church home, your church home, and I invite you to do that. You may have a family, a marriage, or or a relationship, and and you want to come and just commit that relationship to the Lord. Coming up here doesn't mean that you got a problem. I mean, sometimes whenever I come to the altar, I do pray over a problem. Sometimes I come just to worship the Lord and commit myself to Him. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you say, well, I don't even know. I know that something's wrong, but I don't even know what to do. Listen, when you don't know what to do, there's only one place to go, and that one place to go is to the Lord to find the help that we need. So what is it that you need to do right here? What is it that you need to take care of right here? We're about to start the invitation. It's the most powerful time of a service. Let's get ready right now. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that you care more about our relationships than we do. And even when we think we care about it more than anybody else, you still exceed our ability to care. You want our marriages to be strong. You want our families to be strong. You want our churches to be thriving. Lord, you want people to be saved, and you want saved people to be active and growing in a fellowship of Christians, and and you want us to be able to come to you with our concerns, with our struggles, with our successes, and with our praises. 
Lord, I pray that you'd begin to work right now in this moment. Help our thoughts to focus on you and what you want. And may this invitation be a moment of life change for somebody here. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.